We've got some rising waters for hours in parts of our area, all stemming from Tuesday night's very heavy rain. Um, in some cases, near four inches of rain. And that was, wow. we also had one before. Laura. Yeah, the impact just continues. Here's a live look on the ground in Little Falls, New Jersey, where flooding has already dealt that community a damaging blow. And Governor Phil Murphy is touring that area now. I mean, just to get an indication of just how, how high this water still is, even after the storm passed. And that's the concern as we head into this weekend. You know, Governor Murphy's going to be touring the damage in Little Falls. Mm -hmm. He's going to be out there looking at what was left behind. We'll have that as he begins that process. But there is a lot more to talk about. It's another busy day. It's Thursday, so we'll get you up to date. You want to talk about another incident, another train derailment on the subway. This time it was an F train in Coney Island. Now, luckily, nobody was hurt here. Service has finally been fully restored. That happened this morning, but a lot of questions remain this morning. Isn't yeah. that two now? That's two, two within that's a week. Right. So two derailments. One was more serious because there were a number of injuries on yeah. that one. And you see NJ Burkett right there. He interviewed the train operator in the derailment on the Upper West Side last week. Uh, and that interview is quite emotional, as you can see. And NJ is going to stop by and tell us all about that. Mm, don't miss all of this this morning. Also ahead, Nina Panetta is going to join us at the table to talk about the best way to transfer a big ballot. Boy, a big balance. Boy, don't I wish I had one to transfer. But I can't wait to hear how to do it uh, from a credit card or a loan. Oh, she's talking about a debt yeah, yeah, balance. Yeah, you don't want that. You yeah, want I was that. like, I really want a big balance. But no, a debt balance, no. Yeah. But we'll all figure out how to do that together. I was like, we don't want that. Well, you know, you've been super busy. You've been over at Good Morning America this week. So you were right over there with Michael this morning as we learned about this just inspiring and amazing and haunting story on GMA. This morning, Michael Strahan's 19-year-old daughter, Isabella, revealing her battle with the brain tumor. Mm. And it was just, everybody's kind of jaw just hit the floor when we heard this. And they were very, very courageous in sharing this because I think you know other families are going through the same thing. And you see Michael be a dad, which yeah. he is so great at being. But yeah. you know, Sam, you were over there. Well, I mean, this is an amazing man with an amazing family. And I think they did an incredible job of keeping their family conversation for their family until they were ready yeah. to let uh, folks into it. And this young woman is taking control of her mm -hmm. conversation. And I think that's amazing in all episodes. We have to cheer her on. Yeah. There's more health to come. Yep. But, uh, you know, uh, it's a story that I think America will be hugely invested in. And I think we need your love and support. Yeah, yeah. no doubt about and that. It makes it goes far when you know that the community is supporting you and they're praying for you and yeah. it goes far. All right, let's talk about the weather. So we, Governor Murphy's going to tour Little Falls yep. in just a little bit. What, what are we expecting with these rivers? We have a couple of good days now where okay. you can tour this area. And I don't mean that for the flooding, but I need to mean it for the weather. Governor Murphy is going to be seeing this firsthand. Phil Tate's out there, too, is, is <laughs> watching all of this. But just this shows sort of life frozen as the storm passed through and the waters continued to climb there. And it's really interesting because you hear from a lot of these people who are just fed up and frustrated because of the situation where they live near these rivers. And you're also seeing that it's not just an isolated issue, right? There are lots of neighborhoods that are involved. In so this. many neighborhoods. We have Phil Tate. He's on the ground in Little Falls uh, with clearly a different perspective than what we're seeing in those aerial shots. And Phil, what can you tell us about the situation there today? 
Yeah, well, in the next few minutes, we expect to hear from Governor Murphy, who will tour this area, mainly Lewis Street, which is prone to some flooding. I want to show you a live look right now. We are on the edge of the river. You can see that water just flowing down. Many of these garden items, we're going to have our photojournalist just pan. Many of those garden items really just submerged underwater. Again, we are at the edge of the river, and this water is just creeping into the backyards and flowing like a stream. Now, residents tell me that water just picks up and pours into the homes on low lying areas. Now, some neighbors checking out the conditions this afternoon tell us they'd rather be safe than sorry already packing up and heading to local hotels. Now, take a look at your screen as six people were rescued from a shuttle bus at River Street and Fulton Street over in Patterson. Well, this adds to the 12 rescue operations just last night. Well, thankfully, no one was injured and about 20 people also went to Patterson Emergency Shelter last night. And for Little Fall residents, it's a bit of deja vu. This is the first time it's happened so so close together, side by side for me, and so that's really um, in the back of my head. We've stayed in the hotel before, and uh, this time we didn't we didn't want to take any chances. Those houses that are between here and Main Street are in a, in a in a bowl. All the river, all the houses on the edge of the river are actually the highest around. So we do all right. They do really rough. And you're taking a live look right now at where all that water from the river is going. It's simply flowing onto this main street, making it difficult for cars just to pass by. Now, many residents in this area, as well as in Patterson, are waiting for that cresting that is going to happen later today. Now, this is only the beginning and those floodwaters, guys, this floodwater, well, it could, could remain at potentially high levels, not just on Friday but on Saturday as well. That's the latest here in New Jersey. I'm Phil Tate, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Thank you, Phil. You're definitely right. And we need your eyes on the ground to show people that it isn't just one little isolated town that's dealing with some of this river flooding. And I want everyone to know that we're in a situation right now where it's so important to pay attention because we're getting more rain. And that means more water in these rivers. That means more areas are likely to see what we're seeing now, the spread of water. That water will go where it's lower. Let's go to... News Captain 7 and John Del Giorno with this look above. So, John, what are you spotting there in Little Falls? Well, Mike, much of the same here. Right along the river is where the flooding is becoming a problem. And don't forget, the water here is still rising. With Street Spotter 7, we can show you right where we are. And that's Riverview Circle in Little Falls. That runs right along the, uh, the Passaic River here, the Pompton River, as it comes down. But I want to show you what happens in this particular neighborhood. You can see how the river kind of makes a bend, and that's where you have the flooding is right in this area. Right in here, that's where you begin to see the water get up into the streets. Now, one other thing I can do with this shot is kind of compare where we were today versus where we were last week. Over on the right, that's the Willowbrook Mall on the other side of the river. You can see the back of that store. It's actually a floor and decor store. Last week when we were flying overhead, the water there was right up to the doors of the loading docks. This morning, you can see it's kind of down at the bottom of the loading docks. You're probably looking at a difference of maybe two or three feet, but that two or three feet makes such a difference when it comes to how this affects the areas around here. Last week, we were talking about entire neighborhoods that were submerged. Today, we're looking at streets, but again, everyone's being very vigilant because these rivers will not crest until later this afternoon. That is really an amazing shot right now, John. Uh, that parking lot is basically a wow. massive, yeah. what, Lake. pond, yeah. lake? Yeah. 
Uh, thank you so much for that perspective from above. And we're, of course, going to monitor the latest, monitor the news uh, and the latest with Governor Phil Murphy. Uh, and we'll be checking back in as the situation develops in areas around the Passaic River. Here's something different. I want to talk a little sports, but it's what? historical. Okay. I know, I know. So stick we with can me do here. This. Usually, <laughs> well, well <yeah>. usually, <laughs> you know, when we talk about sports, it's like tied to Taylor Swift or yes. something like that. Uh, not in this case. We're talking about Bill Belichick. Okay. Of course, you've heard the name. I know the name. Not a huge football fan. He's the head coach for a long time for the New England Patriots, nearly a quarter of a century, in <laughs> fact. Well, today, that run officially coming to an end. Sources telling our friends over at ESPN that Belichick and the Patriots have agreed to part ways. Mm -hmm. This is a big, big deal. You could say that Bill Belichick is kind of like the Taylor Swift of the National Football League in a lot of, <laughs> in a lot of ways. I see what you're doing. Yeah, well, sort of. You know, we're trying to weave something in here. Uh, during that 24-season run with the Pats, he led him to six Super Bowl victories. Of course, a guy named Tom Brady was there. Yeah, he had some help. Right? Uh, nine conference championships, 17 division titles. Those marks all-time leaders for NFL coaches during the Super Bowl era. Belichick also uniquely tied to our area. He was an assistant coach for the Giants during the 80s and 90s. Technically was the head coach for the Jets on two separate occasions, although he never actually coached a game because there was this controversial trade. And mm -hmm. Anyway, we won't get mm -hmm. deep into the woods on the sport. Although now. Mike could, trust me. Well, and, you know, the Patriots haunted the Jets for years, but ironically, Belichick's final game against New York was a loss last Sunday. Well, they, I mean, their season has been not great, 4-13, and 13, uh, and the worst season for the Patriots since 1992. There you uh, go. I did research that a little bit. I met Belichick, oh, wait a minute, what year was that? Maybe 94, okay. when I was working in Akron, Ohio, and he was coaching the Browns. Yeah. Oh. So, and he was really serious, a really heady guy. I think he went to Wesleyan uh, and kind of was, yes. Well, do you, he's 71. Do you think he's going to coach again? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know if he's married. Maybe his he's partner married, says, yeah. enough already. Let's take the weekends so off. So this is well, the second time. I knew this was a big story because this morning on Good Morning America, between the commercial breaks, Robin and Michael were like in a oh, confab yeah, yeah, yeah. as this. this information is coming out. So I knew it was a big story. But then to see the two of you, this is the second <laughs> time our world has crossed with Bill Belichick news today. There's a news conference coming up at noon. Yeah. Uh, so Robert Kraft, who owns the Patriots, and Bill Belichick will be, will be talking about the that. official announcement. Well, you thank know what? you for sharing. So, you know, you might appreciate this, Sam. Uh, the New York Times has an article about Belichick's uh, attire on the field. Yeah. He was the known hoodie. for wearing this really schlumpy hoodie, and there's sort of some story about why he did so as opposed to wearing a sharp-looking suit, that sort of thing. Which, which I rarely rare. But uh, yeah, well, uh, you, yeah. know, you know what I mean. Sharp-looking yeah, yeah, yeah. suit. Yeah, That's what he was known um, as, like yeah. the hoodie. Yeah. I like the slumpy thing. I'm yeah. all for it. More Belichick talk later on. Maybe okay. not on this show, but right. we'll, 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 we'll chat. <laughs> okay. Now we've had two train derailments in less than a week in New York City. One just yesterday on the F train in Coney Island, and then one last week on the Upper West Side. And you'll remember that one because dozens of people mm -hmm. were injured. NJ Burkett joining us now to talk more about this. And we understand that, NJ, you spoke exclusively to one of the operators on the train involved in the derailment last week on the Upper West Side. We heard from him in some video just shortly before you joined us, and it sounds like 
but he just knew it was happening and there was nothing he could do to stop it. Right. He says he was absolutely helpless in the lead car of the train that actually caused the derailment. So, so in order to understand how this worked, he was the motorman of the train that started this whole thing. And the train was fine until they got to 79th Street Station and vandals pulled the emergency cords. Mm. They couldn't start that train up again because they couldn't reset the brakes. So now they made this decision, all right, we've got to move the train. Since they couldn't restart the first five cars of the train, they had to have the train run from the sixth car because it's a 10-car train. So they had an operator in the sixth car who could actually had power, could actually move the train forward, but they needed a lookout in the front. And so that's what Andy Valentine was doing. He was in the front of the train with a handheld radio oh. telling the train operator, okay, keep coming, yep, green signal, this is fine, until they mm. hit a red signal. Then he gets on the radio and he says, stop the train, stop the train, stop the train. No response. Mm. So what you'll hear now is part of the extended interview where Andy explains to me exactly how that played out. Okay. Wow. I said, slow me down, slow me down, give me a stop. And what happens? What did, what did he do? He didn't slow me down and he didn't stop. And you can't get the train to stop? No. No matter what you do, no matter what you say. No. If he doesn't adhere to my commands, my verbal commands, uh, I'm helpless. At this point, I'm starting to realize that impact is, is imminent. You thought you were about to be killed? Yes. I, I felt like I was a spectator uh, about to watch myself be killed. And I literally took two steps before I was flung across the train car. The sound of the two trains crashing were extremely loud. When I got up, I was surrounded by a white cloud of smoke. Uh, it was hard to breathe. And I was just trying to get myself together. I reached for my radio. I informed OCC of what happened and that we needed emergency personnel right away. What'd you say? I said we need help. Two trains just collided. And, and obviously the problem here was that there was a train that had a green signal that was crossing in front of them. So here's Andy's train. He's saying, stop the train, stop the train. The guy who's running it, for some reason, doesn't hear the commands back in the sixth car, continues going, oh. and they plowed into a, a train packed with a thousand passengers that was crossing the track in front of them. And, and obviously you see the helplessness. He's in, quite in traumatized. Right. Well, he is, absolutely. And you know, it's a good point, Lauren, because uh, I said to him, I said, and, and this will uh, appear in the five o'clock uh, show, I, I said, I said, are you gonna get back on the train? And he said, time will tell. Mm. I said, why, Andy? You know, the system needs good guys like you. And he said, you know, my kids need their father. Mm. Oh my gosh. And he said, I was nearly killed that day. Wow. No, no, look, you know, you had two dozen people with, with minor injuries, thank goodness. Had the train been moving faster, I mean, we'd be having a different conversation. I think for a lot of us that ride the train, you know, especially with this recent incident at Coney mm. Island, and when they're kind of described as minor right. derailments, right. and then you hear, 
exactly what it was like on board that train. People are saying, what is going on? How does this happen? Mm -hmm. And how did it come down to just a radio situation right. when there was so much at stake at that time of the day? Right. And also, I think the safety board will question uh, the supervisor's wisdom in trying to move that train the way they did. From the middle. Still, right. From the middle, right. Uh, with one handheld radio as the linchpin of communication. As the brakes were the problem. Well, well right. Of course. And, and then also, as I'm saying, the wisdom of that decision to move that train as rush hour is starting. Maybe you shut down service on the one, on one long enough mm -hmm. to get that train out of the way safely. I think they felt they could do it safely and you see what happened. You but mentioned that this started with somebody pulling, yeah. what, a brake, a Vandalism. vandal? Yeah, yeah, Talk vandals, just pranksters. That. And you know. that has happened. This, this, this does happen. This is the first time that has happened. People come up with all kinds of pranks, sadly. I mean, it's a big system. You hear about kids, you know, subway surfing, right? right? So, so things happen on the trains. So, so somebody just went in and decided as a prank to pull the emergency brakes on the train. Mm. And uh, so disable the train. Five o'clock today, full report. Yeah. And then we'll have, um, I'm sure, some expanded stuff on ABC7 and why. Uh, I feel like I learned so much yeah. about it here. I can't wait to see the rest of it. Thank you, Sam. Always okay. great to have you. Thanks, guys. I just finished radiation therapy, which is proton radiation. And I got to ring the bell yesterday. It was great. It was very exciting because it's been a long 30 sessions, six weeks. So I'm going to start chemotherapy the beginning of February at Duke. Mm -hmm. So that's my next step. I'm ready for it to start and one day closer to being over. You are a definition of a thriver because you're making your mess your message. Mm. Wow, 19-year-old Isabella Strahan. She's one of ABC's Michael Strahan's daughters, and she's sharing this morning that she has brain cancer. Michael, Isabella, and Robin Roberts sat down for a really emotional interview on Good Morning America. Isabella said she wanted to t tell her story after this very private struggle. She says it started with headaches that just would not go away, and it was after tests that she learned that she had a fast-growing four-centimeter tumor in the back of her brain, the official medical diagnosis medulloblastoma, which accounts for 20% of all childhood brain tumors, about 500 children per year diagnosed. But most commonly, this affects kids between the ages of five and nine. Mm. And Sam, you know, I mean, you, again, you know, Michael, you this know the family. This is heartbreaking um, in many ways uh, for the Good Morning America family, and I think for America in general, because I think um, you guys, like, like me, I, I get a chance to work with them, but I know you think of them as your family. And so to see Isabella uh, recounting her story um, and talking about it and telling how she's taking the power of this, how they kept it so private so that she could get to this point of that journey. This is a, this is just, it's a beautiful way for a very public family to handle an incredibly difficult and private moment. I do want to show you um, where she's talking about a moment that she had with her sister. So please take a listen. Something Sophia said to me, I think, the start of this all. She said, you have to keep living just because this is happening. She's right. And you've been doing that. Yeah. I mean, I know this yeah. is tough, but you, you keep on living, Isabella. Mm -hmm. You inspire all of us every single day when we're around you. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. And we love you. We're here for you. And you got this, so... I love you too. Say 60, 70 years, you'll be bugging somebody. I don't know if it'll be me. I hope it is, but mm -hmm. you'll be here, baby. Mm. 
Um, for now, uh, Isabella says she's focused on the future and eventually she wants to get back to that first year of college um, when her treatment finally wraps up. Um, she has, and, and I think the family worked really hard to keep this private so they could go through this and get to this point to where they can feel positive about where they are right now. Um, but as you know, until you get the all clear, you don't get the all clear. Mm -hmm. So, so if, you, if you have love to share, just do me a favor and reach out to this family, share it online. Um, no one, it's, it's, and you know, you saw Michael doing these commercials um, for uh, the hospital at Children's Hospital. And it is a diagnosis, I think one of the lines that he used, and we talked about it this morning, where he said it's a diagnosis that no parent ever wants to hear that mm. your, your child has cancer. And um, that came into his house. Mm -hmm. And this is such a beautiful family inside and such a strong family inside. Um, if you can share some love and give them some support, please do. She's so brave to be coming forward. I don't age. know how she yeah. was able to even address the situation. Great to have her dad at her side and mm -hmm. hopefully she knows that we are all rooting for her. A lot of us don't know her I mean, we might see a post on social mm -hmm. media here mm -hmm. and there, but well, that doesn't mean we don't feel like we know her because right. we know her dad. And that's the thing. I mean, this ugly disease affects so many families across the country. And in that moment, you see a dad and a daughter. It was just a, you know, a special the moment. Humanity wishing her well, wishing can, her a speedy, full, full recovery. Can I just point out that she is going to work with Duke. Yeah. And this is something, again, that I, I think, again, this family is so amazing at helping other people. She is going to have uh, not only a documentary, but a YouTube series. And she wants to talk to kids who are going through this. Mm. And I think it will help them yeah. because you don't want anyone to feel alone when they're going through something like this. Incredible that she's going to do that. Yep, absolutely. And make the time to do that while she's dealing, dealing with a massive health issue. Yeah. yeah.